One more time, we will record this pod, and I will get it right. I just recorded like half of this podcast, and I pressed the wrong button, and it was just looping. So we're going to do this again. (laughs) And how I planned to kick it off was to say, friend, we are at 949 reviews of the You're Welcome podcast. So close to 950, which just sounds like a great round number and is so close to the magical 1,000 review marker. It has been my first goal from day one. It would mean the world to me if you would press pause right now, swipe up, and hit five stars. Even if you don't like my singing, if you would hit five stars, you don't even have to leave a review typing anything. Just the five stars counts. Though if you want to write a little something, you would be my friend forever, like Miss Curating Confidence, who said, I share this podcast with anyone that will listen to me. I love someone who's pushy about good things in life. So thank you so much for sharing with your friends on Instagram stories, in private Facebook groups that you're a part of. We have been having a conversation over on Instagram stories where we do all of our best hanging out about what you would love to hear on the podcast upcoming. And so much of what you reported back are episodes that I've already covered. And so if you are listening live, I wanted to let you know that I've just posted that in stories and I'll be saving it in my pinned stories. If there's a topic that you are seeking, maybe you forgot about it, you want to re-listen, you never heard it, there are so many gems back in the archives. And I'm also posting again, asking for your feedback. I'd really love to know what you want to talk about. Or as always, there is a link in the description below if you swipe up or you can leave a voice memo. I can play that on the show and you can be a part of inspiring what we talk about next, just like today's show. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, beauty. Happy July 1. Happy July. I feel in shock that it is July. I was having a conversation with my friend Corey the other day. He's my CFO and they're about to have a new baby. And he said, I just feel like time was stolen for us from us. Like, where did the whole second half of this pregnancy go? And I very much relate to that. I saw some meme that was like, I'm having... I'm still processing my February feelings, but it's July on the calendar. And I think for so many of us, it just feels like, where did the past four months go? How could we possibly already be halfway through the year? So I asked on Instagram stories just to check in, how have you been feeling the last couple of weeks? We were doing this a lot when I was in Arizona, sometimes on a daily basis, just getting a pulse as a community, as a collective, where are we at? And Wow, are we having a roller coaster of emotions? Some of you are doing really well. You're feeling grateful. You are grateful that you uh, got work or you're grateful that it's it's nice weather outside or you're feeling encouraged in what's happening in the racial conversation that there's hope and progress in a way that, you know, never has been before. But for so many of us, we just feel so heartbroken over what's happening in the racial inequality conversation. We feel around coronavirus, you feel scared or angry, or frustrated, or hopeless. You feel like, how is it quarter three? What have I accomplished? I'm feeling super disappointed with all my magical January 1, 2020 best year ever goals. And of course, for so many of you, there's more personal things that are happening behind the scenes. But I asked you what topics you wanted to talk about on the podcast upcoming, and there were some great ideas that I will hold on to, but there was also really an overall theme, and I always find that so fascinating. We live all over the world. We are a really wide variety of ages and ethnicities and whether we have kids or not and sexual orientation and religion. Like I just love how diverse this audience is. 
would love for it to be even more diverse, but any diversity that we have in any category, I celebrate it. And so I love realizing these themes that are happening, whether you're in your 20s and she's in her 70s and maybe our heads and hearts are in the same place. So first of all, something that came up a lot was basically the answer of something lighthearted and fun. Joy, 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 happy stories, something to distract us, happy and playful. And I resonated with that because I think I've shared that Ever since this happened, when it first, first happened and we were in Mexico, I remember the book that I was reading, the novel that I had there being like, this is, this is too sad. This is not what I want to be reading. There is, I'm having sad conversations every day with Jeremy about what's happening in the world. And I don't also want to read a novel that's sad. So I've been reading fluffy novels and uh, thrillers. And so I resonated with, I'm looking for something that isn't too happy. Uh, I'm sorry, that is that is happy, that isn't too heavy. And second of all, a lot of posts around future dreams and plans. How do we craft lives that will make us happiest? And I thought, again, I resonate with that. I've been daydreaming a lot about the future during this time. And I think that can be really healthy. I don't think we want to live in denial about what's happening and not at all live in the present moment and be looking for how can I make myself happier in this present moment. But I also think when there is so much that we can't control and when our present moment is so far from our ideal, it can be really healthy to also keep an eye on what happens beyond this, what happens beyond uh, the, the pandemic, where am I headed in the big picture? And I also think simultaneously, so many of us are pondering, what are we taking from this current time? Am I learning or shifting anything because of quarantine about my life desires, how I want to live, what really matters to me? So the first thing I want to talk about came out of two responses. Dina said, I've heard you mention the possibility of children, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And Hannah said, can we talk about grace towards yourself in productive ways? I loved that second one from Hannah because I think whether it is where you want to live, what you want to do for work, whether you want to have kids, future plans can be an area where we don't show ourselves a lot of grace. We can feel like I should already know what I want. I should know how to get there. I should already be on my way there. So I'm going to answer Dina's questions and sh- question and share a little bit about our thoughts on kids, not just to share my personal story, but my thought process in case it sparks something from you on your own life decisions in any area. So for me personally, having kids is something that I always assumed that I would do. I can remember being about seven years old and naming my first child. Her name was going to be Camille Laurie. My mother's middle made it. I'm sorry. My mother's name is Lori. And Camille was, she was someone called the Songfest host. I went to Pepperdine University. There's this huge song and dance competition. It's a big deal. Flash, flash forward to college, and I actually choreographed and directed the Songfest host, which was also a big deal at the time. But there was a girl who was a Songfest host, and I thought she was so beautiful, and she had such an amazing voice, and her name was Camille. So I have that little memory from um, being in elementary school, and when I was in college, my college, long-term college boyfriend and I were going to have two kids named Micah and Mackenzie, and I just had very traditional dreams. I saw a lot of people in my church who got married at 21, 22. I really wanted to be married. I was such a romantic. I wanted to marry my high school boyfriend. Then I wanted to marry my college boyfriend. So we were going to get married young. We were freshmen and we were the youngest ones, the only freshmen in the pre-marriage class at uh, at our university. We were like on the fast track. He was going to be a youth minister. I was going to be a high school theater teacher. We were going to live in the suburbs of Texas. 
Well, none of that happened, and my life ended up looking very different. I got a Broadway tour. I moved to New York City. Throughout my 20s, I was was dating, but I was single, and I started to notice as I got older that my friends really had a baby fever that I didn't. I just recall having so many conversations with girlfriends that were so desperate to be a mom, so afraid that wouldn't happen. What if I'm not old enough? What if, or, or, you know, what if I'm too old by the time I meet someone and I want to have multiple kids and I need to start at this age? And that whole biological clock thing that we know was such a prevalent conversation as you got into your mid-20s or late 20s, and I just noticed I didn't have that same desperate desire. I very much wanted to be married. I wanted to fall in love. I wanted to have a partner. But the mom thing wasn't what was panicking me. And I have absolutely no idea when it changed or why it changed, but I started to be unsure if I wanted to have kids. And the reason that's so prevalent to be in my memory is because it felt so stressful in dating that I didn't know that. It felt like a deal breaker. I've heard so many conversations about deal breakers of people who fell in love and then one of them wanted kids and one of them didn't. And it's ultimately why they they split apart. And so I thought this is something you should know when you're dating to like get aligned on the same page with. And I didn't know. And I was aware that when I would go on a date with someone, like I remember I got set up with someone who then became a friend, uh, this guy Luke. And on our first date, he was like, oh, man, I want five kids. And I just can't wait to be a dad. Like, I, w- like I would get married right away. And I would I'd have kids right away. Yes, he was Southern. Um, he was like, I just can't wait. And I was like, yeah, hard no. It's a hard, hard no, Luke. Um, definitely don't want five kids. Definitely don't want them tomorrow. Uh, maybe we should just be friends. And so we were. So when I would meet someone that was like, I can't wait to be a dad, I was like, this nah, this doesn't feel right. And that would always make me less attracted to them. But I never met anyone who said, hard no, I definitely don't want kids. So I never got to balance it out on the other way with oh, well, that kind of made me disappointed or oh, that made me relieved. So I still didn't know when I met Jeremy, I mentioned when I had him on the show a couple weeks ago that on our first half date before we really went on a date, but our first like lengthy conversation um, at a group event, he's one of eight kids. And so I said, does being from a big family make you want a lot of kids? Because I was thinking this is going to be a deal breaker. It's about the only thing I could ask him that would be a hard no from the top. And in his case, he was like, actually, I think it's the opposite. I have multiple siblings that are married and almost no one has procreated. I think everyone has been sort of traumatized by growing up in such a big family. So when I was like, so what are your thoughts on kids? He was just like, meh, you know, it's just, it's really up to my wife, <laughs> which just kind of sums up a lot of things about Jeremy. We think he's an Enneagram 9. They're the peacemakers. They'll, they'll be like, what do you want for lunch? <laughs> Do you want to have kids? I don't know. (laughs) You want Italian? Sounds great. You want two? Sounds great. So the answer is kind of helpful because it doesn't force me into either corner. It's kind of not helpful because now I'm still in the place of I don't really know. So ultimately, as I recommend in the Elegant Excellence Journal and an exercise here that's episode 33 of the podcast, and I'll link it below, where I encourage us to really zoom out to our big, crazy, wild dreams in life. Like think really far ahead. Where do you want to be at 70? And I also acknowledge in saying that that we have women who are in their 60s and 70s listening to this podcast. So maybe for you, it's 80s or 90s. But what would that far out vision be? And for me, I too, I have a very small extended family. And 
two of my aunts uh, never had kids. And I therefore have been able to see what that life is like. And there's parts of it that are really appealing to me. But specifically, as my one aunt is now a widow, is older, has health problems, I feel very sad looking at her life in comparison to my mom's life, who has two kids. She has two grandkids and a third on the way. And so my number one reason to have kids is zooming out to 70 and saying, when I'm 70, I can really see that I think my life would feel more fulfilling and joyful and loving and safe and all of that with having a family. So then if I go to, let's say, 10 years out, do I do I still assume that kids are there? When I think of that 10-year vision, I, I do. Like that's just the natural if I was to try to like zen out and just do some sort of subconscious journaling exercise, they would pop up in the story. They pop up in the daydreams. Okay, well, why is that? Is that because of societal expectations or is that my internal gut instinct? I think that's a question we really have to ask for ourselves. Just because we picture something in the future, is it because it's the the norm? It's because it's what it's expected. We see it in someone else or we really question it and saying, yeah, I do think this is my gut. This is my heart saying this is pretty much what I picture. And I think because I've thought about it for so many years that it is my gut. I am very clear. I have friends. I have family. I pay attention to people who who have made the choice not to have children. And therefore, since I've thought about it so much, I know that it's not for me the only option that's out there and that that's where it's coming from. Another tactic that I think is helpful, a little bit what I said about the ants, but the regret test. Do you remember the episode of Friends when Rachel thinks she might be pregnant? She pees on the stick. She has Phoebe look at it. And Phoebe says, it's a no. And she's like, okay. And then she like gives her a couple minutes. And then she's like, just kidding. It's a yes. And Rachel's like, what? And she's like, you're pregnant. And she's like, why did you do that? She's like, so you would know how you really felt. And she's like, well, that was a gamble. And she's like, yeah, but now you know, right? Like, and so I love that idea that what did she initially feel when she got the no? And I don't know if, I don't know if this was like wisdom on Phoebe's part or just Phoebe being Phoebe, that she was like, I think Rachel wants a baby. And I think if she gets the no first, she's going to experience a sadness. And then when she gets a yes, by contrast, she's going to realize I actually did want this. This might be scary. This might be overwhelming. But between the two options, this actually is what I really want. There's a beautiful photographer I follow on Instagram named Jamie Beck, a colleague. And she and her husband were living in New York City. And they have since moved to the south of France. And her story of how that came about is she was on an airplane where there was horrible turbulence. And she's clutching onto the arms of the seat. And the thought that goes through her head is, oh, great, I'm going to die and I've never lived in France. And the plane lands and she survives. And she calls her brand new husband, I believe, at the time. I think they just got married. And she was like, I'm moving to France. (laughs) He actually didn't even move with her. I think he actually moved to California. I think they had another plan. And she was like, I have to do this. Like, I have seen my life flash before my eyes. And the first thought that popped up is, my greatest regret will be that I never lived in France. I just, I have to test this out. So in my case, I have some medical, you know, fertility things that we've explored just a little bit where it's given me enough of a moment to go, yeah, when I'm not, when I wasn't sure if this was an option or not, I think, 
I, I think I want it. I could have taken that as, oh, well, maybe I'll be off the hook, you know, if this doesn't work out. And instead I was like, no, I think I would be disappointed. So I think that that regret test can be a really powerful thing to try to put ourselves through to get to the core of what do we really deeply feel if we take away the fear the overwhelm, the confusion. I don't know how to make this happen. I don't know if that's feasible for me. I don't know how I'm going to afford that. I don't know how I'm going to do both of those things. I don't know how the timeline is going to happen. I think we we get so many of those questions in our head. And the reality is we, we're never going to know all of the answers to them. And so that fear and overwhelm can can cloud our gut instinct. And that ties into the confusion of Hannah's question of how do you have grace towards yourself? Because there, I've had to give myself a lot of grace on this topic because I simultaneously don't want it now. I think I'm getting clarity that maybe I want it more, but I don't know how to reconcile that with the fact that I don't want it anytime soon. And yet I don't want to have, you know, preschoolers when I'm 50. So somewhere in there, we've got to come to a decision. But I, I really want to emphasize this because I think our decisions can be so complex. Some of them are clear and easy. You knew you wanted kids. You, you know, when you, when you were 21 and you had that first baby, you knew you wanted to marry that boy when you met him when you were 18. You knew exactly what you wanted to be when you grew up from seven years old and you never deviated. But for a lot of us, there are some life choices that are like this. And I think that grace is trusting. I will want it when the time is right. And that if I am coming from fear and panic and pressure, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't understand the timeline. Don't I probably need to figure it out right now? It That doesn't feel right. And for me, I really am personally, and this is a, a deep years-long challenge, trusting that if this is God's best for me to have children, he will put it on my heart at the right time. Which doesn't mean that we can't, quote, miss a window. But I think that happens when we lack intention, when we ignore and push down what we really want, I think that's when we can live in regret. If you're barreling through your career and you're like, can't think about kids, can't think about kids, don't want to get distracted, and then you wake up at 37 and you're like, oh shoot, did I miss my window? You can have regret. But if you're having a a, a lucid and aware conversation with yourself during that time, you're like, you know what? It's still it's still not feeling like the right time for me. I still I'm going to check in year by year and no, it's not there. And you're like, "Okay." Then you're you're being aware, you're being honest with your emotions. You're not trying to just shove them down and close your eyes, cross your fingers, leap off the cliff and hope that it's going to work out. And it, that really is an earnest struggle for me not to stress about the fact that I both want it, I'm pretty sure but I don't want it now. And yet, as I said, I don't want to have a preschooler when I'm 50. So somewhere in there, we have to make a choice. And I don't know really how to reconcile all of that timing. So to me, Grace is saying, am I making space for my dreams? Am I making space and time? Am I journaling? Am I having conversations? Am I praying to really listen to my head and my heart? And then am I giving myself space to not know. There's actually a specific uh, space in the Elegant Excellence Journal where we talk about this. I think it's called like 
I don't know, in, in the waiting or something where because for me, kids has always been such a big question mark. I have such empathy that we don't know when you're planning out your 2020, you don't know all the things that are going to come up in your three-year plan. You've got a lot of question marks. You can't plan your 2020 run, 2021 around having a baby and a maternity leave if you aren't pregnant. And then if you've had a miscarriage, it gets all the more complicated. And if you've had two miscarriages, so we want to try to make plans. We want to try to say, here's what I'm going to do with my business and here's where I'm going to travel. But then simultaneously, you're like, but I'd also like to get pregnant and I don't know how those things are going to work. And so I think that Grace is dreaming with an open hand. And coronavirus has taught us all the more how much we want to plan and be in control. And so I think whatever area of your life it is that you feel like you wish you already knew the answers of exactly what you want, that finding this balance is really powerful. And then a second area along these lines that came up a lot in your questions you wanted to talk about were, uh, Caroline said, how to make big decisions like moving somewhere with a lower cost of living. How to determine what size city or town most suits me or the lifestyle that I want, RSL. Your take on financial wellness, budgeting, retiring from Kim or Lynn with, was financial stability your main ambition or the freedom that comes with success? Again, those kinds of questions make sense to me about our homes, about our finances, about our futures. We have never spent more time in our homes. We are really reassessing for some of us where we live, what part of being in person in life really is important to me, with whom, why, where do I want to go? I can't leave the house. Where do I even want to go? What is it that I want to do while I'm there? I mean, we're we're questioning where we live, how we spend our days, and our daily lives in ways that never occurred to us because we just did all this stuff on autopilot. And maybe you're not having those deep questions, but it might be because you're just trying to get through this. And I'd encourage you to maybe really sit down and think. This this has shifted. I, I have this moment to say, do I really want to go back to all this stuff? Like I was having coffee with a girlfriend this weekend. We went and um, sat in the park and she said, I'm feeling kind of stressed because it seems like everybody's wanting to hang out again. And I've actually been working evenings, she, she can work from home. And she said, I've realized that I do my best work at night and I'm really loving it. I kind of work all day, but I listen to podcasts and I cook and it's really spacious. And now everybody's wanting to get together at night. And so I'm like really having to be super focused and power through my workday. And I kind of didn't want to ask too many questions at the time, but my thought was like, well, but do you want to be getting together with all these people or are you just feeling obligated or are you just going back to that's what I did before? I had plans all this time. I didn't say no to people. I always said yes when people ask because you either are excited to see people and therefore you're not complaining about the fact that you're working a shorter hours or actually you really enjoyed more personal time and more spaciousness than you realized and maybe you don't want to go back to overfilling your schedule. So We've got that stuff going on. We also have financial instability and high unemployment. And I can empathize that a lot of us are thinking more about how do we be in control of our long-term safety. So as you may know, another big question for me is where we'll live after New York City. 
and when that will be and you know will we still also be living in New York City um and I do say by the way that these are big questions for me not for Jeremy uh Jeremy feels zero stress about these things <laughs> when it comes it comes like to me I'm a dreamer that is my happy place and having that life vision I mean this is why I created the elegant excellence journal I was like hey babe do you want one of these journals and he was like not really <laughs> I was like, okay, just checking, no worries. Um, but like, yeah, Jeremy just wouldn't sit down and be like, what's my 10-year life vision? He's just much more like, I know the things I want to do and everything else will fall into place. For me, it wildly informs my choices right now. Where I want to live and whether or not we want to have kids, that shifts how I set up my business right now. And so I don't feel badly. I don't think I'm just a warrior or something. To me, it really informs my dreams more than his. I think for him, like career dreams are kind of separate. And then there's other parts he's more impartial to. Whereas to me, where we live and whether we have kids and what my work is like, it's all it's all tied together and it's all integrated. So when it comes to making big decisions, again, I think we one option is we zoom out and we use that Wild Dreams episode 33 exercise on the podcast and in the Elegant Excellence Journal. And we really ask ourselves, you know, if your wild dream is to live in Paris, okay, is it really truly legit to full-time live in Paris? Or actually, if you could just travel to Paris more, would that be sufficient enough? If you decorated your home and your closet to feel more Parisian, is it what is it about Paris that feels magical? And get very day-to-day practical. This is the same thing that I do with kids. Like, I, you guys know, I love Paris. I don't want to move to Paris full-time. Paris is very cold and gray for most of the year. <laughs> I love sunshine. Paris is not on the, the water. I love the water. Now, it does have a river like we do here in New York. But really, Jeremy and I are like, we love sunshine and we love the beach. And that to go from New York City to Paris, we have worse weather in Paris than we do in New York. And we already struggle with how cold it is in New York. Um, from my friends who've moved there, I'm not saying this across the board, but I've heard Parisians can be very hard to make friends with. They just are very loyal. They go back a long way. It can be really hard to kind of get in there. So I don't have, because I've heard that, I don't have this vision. I'm going to go there. We're going to make these great friends. I'm like, okay, if we moved there for three years, I think Parisians are going to be like, oh, you guys are leaving. Okay, we don't really want to invest in you. Uh, becoming 100% fluent feels very daunting to me. I do want to learn French, but it has not been my vision that I am learning it to the absolutely fluent level. That just feels like a whole other ball game for the fact that I speak barely any French and no languages. So I really think it's about making sure that it's not a fantasy, but reality. We really think about the practical day to day. And yet we also acknowledge that there are clues in the fantasy, which is what we do in episode 33. What is it about Paris that brings us joy? And are there other ways that we could incorporate that in? Another part of trying to make these big decisions is that sometimes that big picture is too big. Like if you're going to decide to have kids, yes, that's a 30 year, I'm sorry, like a 20 year commitment. You know, you aren't like, I'll try it for a few years. You know, Maybe it'll work or not. You're like, all right, babe, the next two decades, you know, if we if we just had one, if we had two back to back, like they go off to college at 18. Do you still have a, like a lifetime of being parents? Sure. But in terms of like before you're empty nesters, you're like, okay, it's 20 years. It's a big deal. But other things in life don't have to be 20 years. And I, I just realized this in the past few months that 
I have been thinking about our next move as where we would move for life. Now, as background to that, I have basically never moved in my life. I lived in the same place my whole entire life. I went to college nearby. And then when everybody was dispersing anyways, I went on a Broadway tour. And then all my friends were in New York, in New York, and I've lived here ever since. So the idea of moving feels very traumatic to me. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's like, okay, we're going to find someplace else. We're going to put down roots there and we're going to be stable because that's all I've ever really known. But it occurred to me in the last couple months, I said to Jeremy, what if we went somewhere for two to three years? Like somewhere we normally have said, "Ah, I feel like that's too far from family. I don't want to be that far from my parents. But what if it wasn't for the rest of our lives? What if it was just for a few years? And that was really took the pressure off trying to make a commitment that was going to be 20 years. In having my new course, Creative Business Accelerator, that just launched, I had so many conversations with aspiring entrepreneurs that were putting so much pressure on, I have to find the business. I don't know what my one business idea is. I don't know if my business idea is the business idea, the one that will succeed, the one that will make me enough money. And I kept having the conversation that, gosh, I've sold like 24 different products in five different areas over nine years of business. I didn't launch on day one knowing what the one thing is. I think the same way we want to find the one love of our life, the one best friend, the one dream home, the one perfect, because of course it's easier. It's simple. It like succeeds from day one. But I think that it's much more realistic sometimes if we can say about moving someplace, What if we did this for a few years? And if we don't like it, then that's going to be fine. Like, let's say you're 30 years old and you're like, I mean, I don't know where I want to be when I'm 70. It's like we're half my life away. That feels so far. Or maybe you do know 70. You're like, 70, I know, but 45, ugh, I just can't picture. That feels so intense. Okay, what about 30 to 33? Where do you want to live for that? What do you want to accomplish in your business in that period of time? Where where do you want to be financially in that period of time? Do you want to have kids in that period of time? Because that is close enough to make plans for and not so intense that you have to know every single twist and turn of life that could possibly come your way and have your entire life figured out which of course is actually completely impossible. So one little example of this for us is people always ask, my whole life they've asked, am I going to go back to California because that's where I'm from? I have personally never felt a thing in my gut that says I'm going to move back to California. However, Jeremy and I could also see that we end up going for my family for a season. And it's it's not something that we would plan for because it would probably be because something sad or hard has happened. So we don't want to, you know, pencil that into our plans, but we're just vaguely aware that might be a season. And therefore, we might not move someplace one time and never move again, because maybe there's going to be a time where we spend two years in California, but we actually can't plan for it. And I think that so many of us, We want more modern lives of freedom, and there's so much of that that we desire, that we get to see more, people are traveling more, people are working for themselves more, you're having kids later in life, etc. But then we also can be very traditional in wanting to have everything figured out. (laughs) I think we can simultaneously want to feel very settled and in control, and like we have a life of exciting adventure. And I think it's worth considering if you might be leaning more one way or the other, and that's where the unsettled is coming from. Are you trying so hard to control it that there isn't room to say, 
this is there there needs to be some openness and adventure if I don't want my life to feel completely boring or if you're constantly chasing the next new thing because you have this FOMO and you're always on this exciting adventure you know what though but I also I want the sense of safety that I have you know paid off my debt or I've bought a house or whatever it is that you want and when we talk about that day-to-day idea I think it's also what does it really say and mean about your life and lifestyle if you're making this decision or another. So there was multiple questions about finances and that's absolutely something that I think about and Jeremy and I think about together in where we might live. New York City is much more expensive than most any other place that we look. And I was looking during quarantine just to kind of be in this daydream space. How much do houses cost here? How much is rent here? And one of the things that comes up for me in that then is, do I wanna have a simpler business and need to make less? Does my business look different? What does having a family look like here in New York, financially, family-wise, business-wise, all of that that goes into it? And there was also a question about my business. What was my real intention when I launched? Was it more financial stability or more the freedom that comes with being an entrepreneur? For me, it was totally the freedom, the freedom to travel, to create, to make money doing something I was talented at. It was not to make a lot of money. And it's okay if our intentions change. Like my intention about having two kids named Micah and Mackenzie and living in suburban Texas changed. But I also think we should dial into, did I evolve in my dreams or did life just get busier? Did I see things that were shinier and bigger and faster? And did I get pulled off course by everything I was seeing? Or was it a real organic evolution within myself? So I may have shared before that I've really been questioning this year, how big of a business I want. I realize I've been very swayed by my industry and specifically some men who've spoken into my life or being a part of my business and the the big financial goals that they have. And so that's an area for me that when it comes to finances is saying that that ties into how, what kind of, How complex do I want my business to be? How stressed do I want to be about it? How big of a team? How big of an audience? Do I want the weight of all of that? And if we were to live someplace that was less expensive, would that carry over into, I also feel less pressure to make less money. And that means my work is lighter. And that means it's easier to have a family. Or are those things not related? Is that just a story that I have come up with And actually, I can have the exact same business in two different places, but it is going to be different financially. And so I think we really look at what are what are your financial goals? So one of my girlfriends uh, has been having to make decisions during coronavirus. And we were just chatting the other day. She was like trying to decide, does she stay living with her parents for longer? Does she move back to New York? You know, where where should she be in this season? What's going to happen with work? All these things. And I said to her, I think you should picture where you want to be 18 months from now. There's so much in the short term that we can't control. We don't know when we're going to get a vaccine. You don't know when your office is going to want you to come back. You don't know when you're going to be able to travel again. All these things we can't control. But let's say 18 months from now, we have a vaccine. And now you know the answers to those questions. Where do you want to be financially? And what do you want to have created? She's a writer. So I was like, what do you want to have written 18 months from now? And which place is going to be best for that? Which of your options? And financially, where do you want to be? So that you're looking a little bit 
further out. And I think that that is really helpful when you're trying to make a decision financially to say, how would these two options be different financially? And what would that money mean? What what does that money mean? What difference does that make in my life? I have X amount more money if I move to this place that has a lower cost of living, as someone asked about. Okay, well, how is your life different because you have that money? Is it that you're spending more time with your kids? Is it that you are doing different work? Is it that you are, you know, have more peace in retirement? You're able to travel more? Really walk through what is it that that gives me? And when we're deciding between places or dreams, use a good old-fashioned pro and con list because I just listed off what are probably a lot of pros of living someplace that's lower income, but there's probably pros about the more expensive place that you live and things that you're going to lose and you're going to have to let go of. We talked in the quarantine style episode about buzz and one of you asked a question that gave me this beautiful aha that has still been such a blessing to me. So again, thank you so much to my Instagram stories tribe that I had this aha about how important buzz is to my life. And that even though I can barely leave the house some days, I can take a 30-minute walk and go get coffee and then be home the rest of the day working in my home office. So why do I live in expensive New York City when we don't go to Broadway shows and we don't go out to all these fancy restaurants and all of that? But I realized the buzz of my neighborhood, living in a vibrant neighborhood where the coffee shop is cool and the hotels I go to work from are cool, that has a buzz in it that even though it's only a half an hour or two hours of my day, it feels felt very different than when there was no buzz when I was living in Phoenix and there was no place you know, to, to go from the, the house that we were living in. And the fact that I can see people from my window and we have this balcony and I can look at the sunset and I can see people walking around and I can hear music and all of this, like there's a buzz to that that I didn't have when I was just sitting in my backyard in Phoenix and we were by ourselves and we couldn't hear anything and we couldn't see anything. So that really allowed me to say, oh, and the other part of that was, We also travel a lot. And so the buzz of travel, and because we do extended travel, because we'll go to Mexico for a month or France for a month, that is so buzzy that then I can come home and have a very kind of boring life that compared to other that other people might think for the next three months because my life has enough of that buzz. Whereas if I never went anywhere, I probably would be like, ugh, another weekend at home. But here, Jeremy and I are like, ugh, a free weekend at home. That makes us so happy. So I've had to then ask myself, if we lived in a smaller town that's much quieter, but abroad, would there be a buzz from being in a foreign country? It's not a city, but would it just have a different kind of buzz where for us in Phoenix, no offense to my lovely Phoenix girls who damned me all the time while I was there. But for us, Phoenix just had no buzz. (laughs) And so when people were like, are you guys going to move here? I was like, actually, no. This is really clarified for us. This language was helpful to say, here's the ways in which there is no buzz in our life here. And even if, if things were opened after quarantine, it doesn't feel buzzy enough for us. We went to Charleston. And I've told you guys about that. We went for a weekend in Charleston to just picture what would our daily life be like if we were t- to move there. Um, and we stayed in a we stayed in a beach neighborhood because that's where we were picturing we would live. And Phoenix was actually a great, completely unintentional, since we obviously didn't plan for the pandemic, example of another step that I highly recommend, which is to test it out. 
test out, test run these options as much as you can. My friend Jessie, who runs the Marriage is Funny podcast, she and her husband lived here in New York and they did an eight-week trial out in Long Beach, California. They really thought through what would we need to take to get an Airbnb, take our desktop, take our dog, like, and kind of play pretend. What would it feel like if we lived out here? They loved it. They came back, decided that they were moving, and they were. he walked in, by the way, to his boss and asked to be able to do that. He was terrified. He did not know that his boss was going to say yes. I believe there are resources out there if anyone wants to talk to their boss. Maybe it's in Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. That's a super old book. But I would do some Google research if you want to be like, what if I asked my boss or my partner asked their boss if we could work remotely? Now, it feels maybe a little bit easier now based off of uh, everything with coronavirus. But at the time, nobody worked remotely. So he had to ask his boss, can I go for eight weeks? And he had to be prepared that if his boss said no, he was going to you know, decide to go anyways and, and find a job after that. It felt important enough to them that they really wanted to know if it was time for them to move. Um, there's a book called The Latte Factor, and I can't remember the name of the author, but I heard him on another podcast say he moved his family to live in Florence, Italy for a year. And I believe now they're saying that they loved it. I mentioned Jamie Beck. She said she was going to move to France for a year. It's been quite a few years now, and it seems like she's staying. Doesn't mean everyone will stay, by the way, but I think for us, our most likely path is to test things out. We may go for a few months in one of the places that we're considering living. We might move to another place for a year and say, we might be here for three, but we don't have to be. We could decide after a year, yeah, I think we're done. And again, I think we have that idea that we want to know all the answers. Before we go on the first date, we want to know if the guy could be the one. Before we launch a business, we want to know that it's going to be the one. But I think in those instances, we see that we've got to test it out. And I think it can be, we can think outside the box, even with things like moving and realizing, actually, that's something that I could test out. I don't have to announce to everyone that I'm moving. I can just say, hey, we're going to go spend the summer here. We're going to go here for uh, for the winter. And then when you do test it out, you will likely come up with other options that uh, other components of it that you didn't realize were present. I've talked about how when we went to visit Charleston, there was really a lack of diversity there that I did not I, I didn't I didn't consider that. I didn't realize growing up in Southern California and New York City that I I took for granted the diversity that I've been around and that it never occurred to me was that important to me where we lived and if we had kids. I had to get there to know. So but you don't even have to physically get there to know. Sometimes it's just having conversations, researching daydreaming, really trying to put yourself in that and walk it out. And, you know, I've watched videos on certain places. I had I had stalked Charleston a lot on Instagram before we went down there. I still had to get there to be like, no, this just isn't it. But I think there's a lot of ways like I've pictured um, if we were to live abroad, there would probably be less church options. There aren't really, you know, evangelical Protestant churches in a lot of other countries. And if we're not living in a big city Jeremy and I've talked about that. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with going to a church online, maybe finding a little house church or doing a virtual small group? Or, okay, what if we could go to more conferences where like that's where we're really getting our great worship and our great preaching and that in-person vibe. We don't really go to many conferences now. Maybe that becomes a part of our life. So that's just such a little example of how you can think outside the box to say, here's something that might be different. It might be a con. Is there a way that I can get creative and say, actually... Maybe that would um, 
you know, would still make me happy. And again, in that pro-con balance, all things considered, do I feel more of a pro here? And I can just test it out. You know, Jillian had asked, how do you create a life you love? I think you workshop it. If you can't do it physically, you do as much research, journaling, mental envisioning, yay or nay, as you can. If it's in business, you just launch it and try. If it's a city, you visit it for as long as you can. When it comes to kids, I don't really have an answer. I don't know how you can workshop that, but uh, maybe that is being around kids. It is having conversations with people who did and didn't have kids, really not just seeing what gets shared on Instagram, the highs or the horror stories, um, really trying to put yourself in that. But I can speak much more clearly to businesses and cities and say, I have, have really tried to workshop a lot to get more clarity in my life. I still don't have all of the clarity, but I am much further than if I had just sat at home and thought, I've got to make a decision before I try anything. Um, Sunny had asked, can we talk about decluttering and making life and work more simple? When we get, when we get clear on what really matters, <laughs> life does feel more simple. And that sounds so cliche to just be like, focus on what matters most. But I think what's coming up for me is what do I really miss in quarantine? Like I'm aware, for example, one of my things is worship, Uh, singing at church, being in in person with music, Um, hugging people on Sundays. I get a lot of hugs on Sundays. I say hi to a lot of people. It's like the chattiest time of my week. It's that big group vibe for, you know, two hours every Sunday. So yeah, that's, that's unlikely in these places that we're envisioning. Um, I mean, maybe we could go to conferences, but it's not like all our friends are going to be at that same conference. So, okay, let me just, you know, think through maybe I'm maybe I'm going to go just to more conferences. Like I'm going to see y'all on book tour and we're going to do a lot of hugs. I'm going to do more speaking events and I'm going to try to get on places where my friends are as well so I can stay with them. Like, can I just come up with other workshoppy ideas? But when it really because I do miss that right now, but when we look at making our life more simple and more decluttered, I think it's also having to go back to, okay, but is that the reason I would stay? It can be very important. I can miss it right now in in quarantine. But if I only get to pick top a top three uh, priorities, does that fit into the top three? Because nothing's ever going to hit all of them, just like you're never going to be a significant other that checks every single box. So I had to let go of the fact that, you know, sharing my faith with someone, as hard as this decision sounds, guys, it mattered more to me than the fact that he liked college football and had already seen the West Wing. You know, we just, I had to make some sacrifices. Um, so, so to and where we live or the business that we want to start, there may be things that we just, when we can get more clear, and this is so much of what I work on through the Elegant Excellence Journal, we can get more clear on narrowing the things that matter to us, narrowing our plans, narrowing our goals, being more of an essentialist. It makes it easier and clearer to make these decisions because there's just less that's cluttering up and vying for attention. I think that when you simplify, you have less competing priorities and it just makes it more clear what your decisions are. It still doesn't mean they're easy, but it can feel lighter to think through them. So to recap, my friends, as we dream, whatever you are pondering, family, home, business, here are eight ideas 
that I've touched on that I'm going to link these in the description below if you want to try one or all eight in journaling or conversation or applying to your life. Number one, in no particular order. Number one, zoom out 10 years and beyond. What do you want to be true at 70? Number two, do the regret test. If you do or don't do this, might you regret it? Which option might you regret more? Number three, give yourself grace if you don't have the answer right now. Trust that means it's not the right time for you to have an answer. Number four, envision your day-to-day. What will this look like on a very practical level? Number five, what clues are in your fantasies? Is there a more practical way you could incorporate that fantasy into your everyday life? Number six, think medium term. What if this was just for three years? What do you want to have saved financially in 18 months? Number seven, what gives you buzz in your life? Can you find that in different ways in the options you're deciding between? And number eight, test it. Whether a trial run or mentally through journaling, research, and conversation, put yourself in that reality to see how it truly feels. So for now, we are thrilled to not have kids long distance learning during COVID. I just give major shout out and props to all the parents. Um, It is such a challenging time to be juggling all of that. And um, I imagine that I am not alone um, in individuals who are like, well, that is definitely certainly made my coronavirus experience less challenging, not trying to juggle all of that. So for me, for now, we are thrilled not to have had kids distance learning during COVID. Uh, Major shout out to all the parents, just so much props. And we are so happy and peaceful to be back in New York City. We don't have plans to leave or have a baby anytime soon, but these mindsets help me dream with grace as we keep our hands open to see which life paths do feel right to us as we go along. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are two books that I just read. As I mentioned at the top, I'm liking fluff and I'm liking thriller. I don't want anything that makes me feel too many feelings because I'm just feeling all the feelings right now anyways. Um, One that is pure fluff, but what the brain doctor ordered is That Summer in Tuscany. I think it might have been one of those Reese book club picks. I'll link that below. And the other that I just finished this weekend is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Carcourt, which shout out to those of you on Instagram. Some people recommended the last time I asked for book recommendations. A couple people mentioned this and I am super grateful because it was just really creative. I have great respect for people who can write stories where there's so many different plot points that are intersecting. You really have to pay attention to all of the details, which is just good for my brain to really be able to focus and just kind of zoom in. So finish it this weekend. Highly recommend. I would love to hear what you are reading lately. If you will come share with me beneath my latest Instagram post, whatever that is, I read all the comments. Even if you hear this podcast months later, feel free to pop a comment in whatever I posted most recently and I will see it. And if you think that this light yet purposeful distraction would be of joy to your family or friends, I would be so honored if you would share this episode with a friend or on your Instagram stories so that we can welcome even more people into this beautiful little tribe where I will see you next Wednesday with grace and gotcha. Till next Wednesday.